The worst decision my parents ever made was putting me in a private school. I know, I know, it makes me sound like a total ingrate, but stay with me. I am so thankful that my parents invested in my education, but they chose the wrong place to do it. Like, imagine wasting thousands of dollars you do not have on your kid's education, only to find out it wasn't worth it. In short, it was whack. I got the same stale curriculum. My teachers passed me along and didn't spend time making sure I understood what they were teaching. I was bullied beyond belief, and I later found out that we were always a grade behind what we should have been learning. Now, I don't blame my parents. You know, I was their first kid, and they really thought that the school they chose was a good school. But over the years, I've realized there's so much that goes into picking a good school. So instead of me trying to explain it, I thought I'd ask them. Hello? Hey, Mom. Hey. Is now a good time? Jose? What? All right. If we could start with your first and last name, as well as who you are to me. My name is Angela Lewis. Thompson, Marissa Ann Lewis Thompson's mother. I am the father of Marissa Ann Lewis Thompson. My name's Jose Thompson. J-O-S-E-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. You're lucky I didn't come up with an alias. <laughs> Rollo. Uh, my name is Mustafa Jones. Oh my God. Bro, for real. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> This pretty much sums up how most of our combos go. And as per usual, the conversation got serious. Why did you guys decide to send me to a private school? I think we probably gave too much credence to the whole accreditation situation. We believe that if they weren't accredited, then they were bad schools. So the accreditation situation my daddy's talking about went down in the year 2000. The Kansas City Public School District became the first district in the country to lose its accreditation. I know, it sucked. And it left my parents scrambling to find a good school for yours truly. And there's something socially that kind of states that good schools, good neighborhoods, and if if you're living in a district where the school's not accredited, it, it kind of tacitly conveys that this is a bad school. So we lent credence to it. It's wild how one decision like that can have unexpected consequences. And for me, I found out in college just how badly my teachers at that private school failed me. It's embarrassing to even admit, but I was secretly relearning the basics during my undergraduate. And let me tell you, that's not the time you want to be learning those things. We risk quite a bit putting the education of our kids in the hands of people that don't identify with people of color. They unwittingly or wittingly, I don't know, that's, I don't, 
pretend I know I can determine what somebody's motivations are. But so often teachers that don't identify with children of color will bring in some um, biases. And I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying it's a reality that they bring because of the culture. They bring these biases in and they treat our children in accordance to those biases that they have. Oh, yes, they do. And for me, this is how it went down. So I was in the second grade and my teacher created this 100 word word search for a homework assignment. You know, no biggie. So she told us our parents couldn't help us, which in retrospect, red flag. Anywho, I love word searches. My mom always had a book of advanced ones on deck to keep me occupied. So I get to the last 10 words and I am struggling to find them. And my mom is the kind of mom who is gonna help with homework regardless of what the teacher says. And that's exactly what she did. Of course, I was the only one who finished it. My teacher didn't believe me. She started questioning whether I actually did it myself. So I told her the truth. And this is where things went left. She started yelling at me, pointing her finger in my face, and she had the nerve to call me a liar and a cheater in front of the entire class. I told my mom what happened and she said she would handle it. The next morning, my mom plays it cool. I mean, Academy Award winning performance. She got me ready for school, dropped me off, pretend to go to work. Little did I know, she made a U-turn back to my school, stood in front of my classroom door and gave my teacher a death stare. We all start looking around and my mom starts pointing through the window panes of the door. And I'm thinking, thank God she's come to rescue me from this place. No. She was pointing at my teacher to come outside. I didn't know what my mom said to her in that hallway, but when my teacher came back into the classroom, she looked shook. She had the kids teasing you and calling you names. And in what world do you know that a child doesn't get some kind of help from a parent on homework? Any parent that's available to help their child will help them. I said it was getting late. We need to both go to bed. I helped with the last 10. I didn't think that that was going to be an issue. But apparently it was, and she made my daughter feel like she was worthless. And I wasn't having that. I still resent my teacher's words. Truth is, what happened to me isn't unique. Black kids go through this all the time. We talk about parents whose children were in schools that have had over decades, negative experiences within the classroom context. That's Washington University Associate Professor Sharita Butler-Barnes. She looks at the ways racism affects the educational and health outcomes of Black families. Whether it's stemming from um, curriculum issues where Black children are not necessarily being um, reflected in the curriculum that's being taught. We have teacher biases, and then we have exposure to racism within these contexts. Black moms like Jamel and I do see this play out all the time. Just turn on the TV. 
Four-year-old Jet Hawkins and his mother, Ida Nelson, were told by Providence St. Mel School that braids were against the rules. The Barbers Hill School District told DeAndre Arnold that his long dreadlocks violate its dress code. Right now, school administrators say the girl's hair is a problem and it needs to be straightened or she'll get kicked out. Just because a little girl wore afro, you know, she was born with the hair. How does it become an issue? Or kids being harassed in school, from Virginia to even here in St. Louis, I've seen new stories where kids are being called racial names by other teenagers. There's only so much that it takes to break a camel's back. So what exactly do some Black parents do when the odds are stacked against their kids? They homeschool. Black parents have been homeschooling their kids for years, and the pandemic is highlighting the reasons why. Data from the U.S. Census Bureau found that at the start of the pandemic, the rate of Black families homeschooling was five times more than any other racial group in the country. In essence, the pandemic has basically exposed what our kids have been living through behind closed doors when we weren't, we as parents weren't allowed to sit in the classroom all day, right? Danielle Joy Davis works with homeschooling families across the country through her nonprofit Circle of Excellence. She's also a professor of higher education at St. Louis University. And parents have been able to see that, you know, wow, my child, in some cases, is not being treated with kindness, with dignity, with respect, in some cases. And I think there are some parents who are saying, no, no, you will not treat my child in this way. Hey there, I'm Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson, and from St. Louis Public Radio, you're listening to Doing It Our Way a podcast about Black parents taking their kids' education into their own hands. We'll explore what it actually takes to homeschool and hear what the kids have to say. For this episode, we're diving into the why. Why are more Black parents homeschooling their kids? Was it because of the pandemic or was it triggered by something else? For Beverly Hopgood, she got a front row seat into the pandemic-induced chaos in her six-year-old daughter Addison's virtual classroom. Her teacher was struggling daily to get the attention of a bunch of five and six-year-olds. Stop doing that. Put on a shirt. Get out of bed. Stop this stuff. It was just ridiculous. They learned the basics, the seasons, numbers, and yeah. They're ABCs with the one and only Usher. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Clap your hands. The alphabet, beg your ABCs. They can help you move, so get up and dance with me. A. Move your arm. B. Sounds like a ball. C. Kick like a crustacean and do the Krabby Crawl. Beverly was a fan. I mean, it's Usher. But Addison didn't even know who Usher was. One day she came to me, she was like, Mama, if we have to count to 20 or go over the seasons, which I know, or listen to this dude Usher do the ABCs one more time, I, I, it's just gonna, it's gonna be a wrap. Beverly's nine-year-old son, Andre, AKA AJ, was a different story. He and his teacher just didn't click. So Beverly kept tabs on every incident including when his teacher ignored him for 15 minutes. 
he was like, she's not paying attention to me. My time is almost up. He was trying to understand the actual question so he could answer it. I guess it just wasn't explained to him well enough. And so after my meeting, I went into the view of the screen. And then all of a sudden she was like, Andre, you had a question. Sweetie, if you saw my son raising his hand a while ago, you should have answered him a while ago. Don't ignore my child. You know, um, that just, it just really frustrated me. At this point, Beverly could tell the classroom was doing more harm than good for her kids. It got so bad that AJ would cry. My kids were just falling apart. And I know as a mom, we all have jobs outside of our homes. As a mom, my first job is to my babies. My first job is to make sure they're okay and they're getting everything that they need. And I knew in my heart that they just weren't. Putting her kids in a new school wasn't going to cut it. So the St. Louis mom did her research and quickly decided on homeschooling. She sat her husband down and told him her vision. And he was like, I'm sorry, what? I said, yeah. I think it really came as a shock to him because he's like, woman, you work a full-time job. And she just had another baby. Plus her husband, Andre Sr., is a firefighter and is gone for a day or two at a time. He was skeptical, but he agreed. Just like any parent, they wanted what was best for their kids. But this is just one story that does not start nor end with the Hopgoods. Black parents across the country have been homeschooling their kids well before the pandemic. Like Jamela Naidu and her husband. She's from Barbados, he's from India. They decided to move to the U.S. together and eventually started a family. They wanted their three kids in a school with a solid curriculum where they could be challenged. They knew finding a good school would be hard, but they did not know their zip code would be a roadblock. When we had our children, we realized that um, there were a lot of factors that um, affected education here in America. Your neighborhood was one. And to me personally, I didn't feel that where I lived should dictate my children's education. That reality plays such a big role in where kids go to school and in places like St. Louis, how people will perceive them. But zip codes, mediocre teachers, outdated curriculum aren't shocking to Associate Professor Sharita Butler-Barnes. She says K-12 is where a kid's racial, ethnic, and gender identities are starting to set in. When kids can't see themselves in the curriculum, it's harmful. Parents are now beginning to see that if the school isn't able to offer this, then I can also offer this, but also I can build my child's self-esteem. I can build also a healthy racial identity where they will be able to see themselves. That's what Shalon Gates has been instilling in her kids. She has four and has been homeschooling them for more than a decade off and on in Ferguson. It started when she noticed her oldest son, Isaac, showed signs that he loved math. And he would say, Mom, I know what number this is. And he would read it at two. Then he started to show um, evidence of being able to do um, simple math equations and wanting to um, write in cursive letters and learning how to read at the age of three. Isaac was like a sponge, soaking up everything Shalon taught him. At the time, she was a stay-at-home mom, but money got tight and Shalon had to go back to work. 
So Shalon and her husband put their youngest in daycare and the rest in a private Christian school. She just so happened to work there. And honestly, their daughters loved being in school. Their sons, however, had a different experience. One was bullied and Isaac wasn't being challenged academically. His parents fought for him to be put at a higher math level. They were shut down. It was just like, well, yeah, you know, you guys say that he can, you know, do all these wonderful things with math, but we, we kind of think he should just stay at this level. And so psychologically, what that does to a child when he feels that he can achieve a lot, but then he's told, well, no, we just want to keep you here. Isaac was in fourth grade at the time. And, you know, just like any kid, he wanted to fit in, but it was hard. He'd always finish his work before his classmates. They couldn't believe it, and neither could the teacher. And it got to the point where Isaac was worried that he'd lose friends if he didn't hold back. Some people stopped talking to me little by little. So at the time, I didn't really understand why. But, you know, I guess they were a little bit jealous. Can you talk to me about how that made you feel? You know, you're only in the fourth grade and you're experiencing people kind of pushing you away. Well, yeah, because it was my first time in a school environment. Well, besides from the year before, but I was still relatively new to it. So sometimes I would go down to my mom's classroom when I was supposed to be going to the bathroom. And, you know, I just sometimes just talk to her about what's, what was going on and stuff, give her a hug. So I, I think if, if mom wasn't there then it would have been way harder. Isaac and Shalon kept talking, and eventually the kids transitioned back to homeschooling. And Shalon spent a lot of time building Isaac's confidence back. You know, I said, now we're back home. It's okay that you perform at whatever level you're capable of performing at. And I want you to gain that spark again of wanting to achieve and, and attain a high level of academic achievement. Like, it's okay. Sky's the limit. Just go for it. Isaac is killing it, by the way, okay? He's doing 10th grade math as a middle schooler. You know, you don't have to stay with the pack. Like, you can go ahead or if you need to, you can stay behind and nobody will judge you for it, you know? Don't worry. We're going to hear more from Isaac and his family in another episode. And I promise you their story does not disappoint. But in the meantime, several months into Beverly Hopgood's homeschooling journey, she can see how the kids are thriving in her classroom. The kids are excited about what they're learning, especially AJ when they went to the Missouri History Museum. We went to um, the museum and he saw, and, he, and it was so funny because he was talking, he go, oh my goodness, mom, that's Homer G. Phillips. Like there's a, look at all the nurses. Cause he saw the picture of all, he go, oh my goodness. Because I guess he saw it in like black and white. He's like, look at this, this is amazing. Sometimes a big gamble pays off. In my case it did. My parents pulled me out that private school and enrolled me into a charter school in the seventh grade and I thrived. But I was curious if my parents would have homeschooled me back then. They flat out said no. They did not trust themselves to be my teacher and they could not survive on one income. But parents like Andre Hopgood Sr. still in the trenches wonders how he and Beverly's decision will pan out in the future. He says there's still this underlying pressure and responsibility to get it right. 
I can't blame the teacher because he can't read. It's like, no, that he was home with you and he can't read. That's your fault. It's like, oh, man, how do I make sure that, you know, they're getting their lessons? That pressure and how Black parents are pulling it off is what we'll get into next time with an OG homeschooler. This episode was edited by Shayla Farzan and Chula Newman. Sound design help from Greg Montanu. I'm Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson, and from St. Louis Public Radio, this is Doing It Our Way.